It causes the contraction of collagen and elastin in that layer mm -hmm. and it gives an immediate tightening effect, which is why patients love it because they oh, leave right. looking tighter. Literally, you'll see a, an immediate change. Yeah. Of course, that's not long-lasting, but what the RF also does is it stimulates fibroblasts, allowing for the long-term tightening effects of the RF. Hey, ReFam. My name's Kate, and welcome back to Keeping It Real, the podcast helping you keep it right and keep it tight. Today, I'm joined by dermal clinician Sophia to chat about non-surgical skin tightening. As we all know by now, skin loses its laxity over time for a variety of reasons. Lifestyle changes, weight loss, pregnancy, sometimes illness, and of course, aging. Sophia is going to chat to us about preventative measures, how to know if you're a good candidate for non-surgical skin tightening, or when a scalpel may be the only option, and which modalities actually work. Welcome, Sophia. As I mentioned, there are plenty of reasons skin starts to sag, but I think today we're just going to focus on weight loss and aging as they are the most common. But first up, why does skin sagging happen when we age? So um, as I'm sure many of you are aware, there's two main proteins that make up the bulk of the skin um, that are beneath the superficial layer of the skin. Um, so the superficial layer is called the epidermis. Underneath that we have the dermis and the dermis is made up by collagen and elastin, um, which with time, with age, with UV exposure and um, a series of other factors can degrade. So when collagen and elastin degrades, it can cause skin laxity, which is, say, another word for skin drooping or skin dropping, mm -hmm. um, and that can give an ageing appearance to the face. Um, generally with time, the four main factors that, say, someone who treats the face um, would focus on is um, an increase in the laxity, an increase in the righted or, or wrinkles or lines um, and generally the skin will decrease in volume and the skin quality will also decrease. So these are the four main factors that um, uh, a skin specialist would focus on when treating the signs of ageing. And what areas of your body are most prone to sag as you get older or is it everywhere? Yeah, it is everywhere. Like we do see, um, we do see a decrease in laxity all over, especially if you've um, seen a like a grandmother's or a grandfather's even arms mm -hmm. um, or their thighs, but that's also with a loss of volume. Um, but in areas that are exposed to the sun, um, the most damage is done or say, you know, compounded damage over time with exposure and exposure. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say, and certainly what people want to treat the most is laxity of the face and the neck. Okay, so you're talking like jowls, eyelids cheeks yeah, exactly nice are there any other lifestyle factors that would contribute to like obviously as we get older and then we do more bad things mm -hmm. um are there any other kind of lifestyle factors that would add to that yeah so um that's intrinsic what we call intrinsic aging or the intrinsic mm -hmm. aging process but then there's um smoking of course yeah, it's not good no it's not good um so i was just looking up like how many chemicals we come into contact with when we smoke and it said like upward of three to four thousand which is absolutely out of this too world many. it's too many and to think when i was 18 i thought it was cool mm. um 
yes. So yeah, think about that. Three to four thousand um, chemicals with one puff of the cigarette, um, and these chemicals are not only carcinogenic, but they do cause the breakdown of collagen and elastin in the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also restricting blood flow to the area, especially around the mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really great at zapping, like essential vitamins and minerals like out of the skin or say vitamins i think it's vitamin c that that one cigarette zaps the vitamin c from the immediate surrounding area i read that once in my studies but but don't quote me on that that. Uh, yeah (laughs) it's out in the open now um so yes we're we're restricting blood flow we're then restricting oxygen and, and nutrient delivery to the skin in that area oh that's also why over time smokers have quite um, their fingertips on their smoking hands mm-hmm. can change in appearance, yeah. can change in sensation. It's also the, the nicotine causing mm-hmm. that yellow, that staining of the skin. Mm-hmm. But no, smoking has multiple effects on the skin and all negative. Fascinating. God damn it. There goes my retirement plan. <laughs> um, you going to sit by the pool and smoke, were you? Truly. <laughs> it's my dream. Amazing. tell by my voice. Um, okay. So that's kind of ageing. Yes. We also obviously see a lot of weight loss patients. Um, They vary. We have people who have lost bits of weight over a long period of time. Mm. We have people who come after a sleeve or any other kind of bariatric surgery. Mm. Um, Obviously, like I think people know to expect excess skin when they lose weight because, you know, it was further out and now that mass isn't there anymore. Mm. But what about weight loss, especially weight loss over such a short period of time? period of time mm-hmm. um like with bariatric surgery what actually causes the skin to be so saggy from that um well the sagginess that comes after weight loss is purely from a loss of volume so collagen and elastin the skin stretches out and i think i've used this analogy before but an open slinky mm-hmm. i used it when we were speaking about scarring or, or stretch marks um, so collagen and elastin are, think of a closed slinky as an analogy. And when um, a part of the body expands and when the skin stretches out, that slinky opens up and it's very hard f- for it to get back to a, um, a condition of being completely closed or completely tight, mm-hmm. uh, tightly wound, which is naturally what collagen likes to be. It's very tightly bundled. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say um, as well as the effect of, scarring in that area in the Mm -hmm. form of stretch marks collagen and elastin can't get back to the way that they were when the skin was less stretched out so to speak yeah and i do think that like carrying extra weight does damage the collagen and the elastin fibers in your skin right obviously like what you're saying yeah where they're making it harder and i feel like the quicker you lose the weight then like it's not get being able to like adapt as it goes yeah right? because you do see that in patients who lose weight slowly and you know say um if especially when you're younger and your body yeah. has that time to rejuvenate and your cells have the time to bounce back if we're yeah. using it like an understandable term and obviously so there's a spectrum of saggy skin like we've discussed there yes um you know we can go from having like you know a little extra skin around like jowls or eyelids and that or you know might be severe sagging in your arms obviously what we've just spoken about there with like weight loss surgery where people have an immense amount of excess skin yes none of this is going to apply to because we're talking about non-surgical skin tightening um obviously there's surgical skin tightening but that's a different podcast um so i think it'd be good to kind of go through on that spectrum um and when we say severe, mm. like that's within the context of like anything that was genuinely severe, like, you know, post-bariatric 
skin. Yeah. Um, and that's not only skin sagging. Like that's literally due to the loss of volume. There's yeah, yeah, just yeah. no fat in that area anymore. There's less fat in that area. Yeah. So the skin is like an empty pillowcase. Yeah. You know? So that's just – that's a whole different ballgame. Exactly. But uh, within our – spectrum Mm -hmm. with mild sagging can you maybe even just give an example of what would constitute as mild sagging and then the best way to tighten that skin sure so there are actually quite a few um medical assessment tools we call them think of scales or Mm -hmm. like algorithms that we can use to um measure the amount of laxity or um, the amount of uh, sagging in a person's skin. A really, really common one is the GLOGAU, G-L-O-G-A-U um, scale, mm-hmm. and it's used in many clinical environments. And so it's it grades your skin from one to a four um, and score one, mm-hmm. being someone who, say, between um, – think it's 28 and 35 or 25 and 35 where the what we call the premature signs of aging appear Mm. so just really kind of fine lines around the eyes or um, when you're expressive do those lines show or um, a grade two where you're a little bit older 35 to 50 and it's showing wrinkles when you're speaking but also very mild wrinkles at rest and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. so if we're talking about someone who is a Glogal one, and they have mild signs of skin laxity or mm-hmm. aging. Um, we're talking about someone like you or I, mm-hmm. who's just seeing changes in their skin, and can take preventative measures to uh, treat those and to kind of halt them, stop them where they are, and stop them from getting worse over time. Mm-hmm. What are those preventative messages? Right, and so a lot of patients will come to me at at that age or at my age, I'm 31, and say, look, I've just noticed this the skin around my eyes is changing, it looks a bit drier or I'm getting a few lines where there weren't before, what can mm-hmm. I do? The first thing we usually do and the f- say the first line of defence is to start them on a, a really good active skincare regimen. Mm-hmm. Skincare isn't a cure for, um, say, extreme skin laxity or skin changes or aging, um, but it is a good way to um, it is a good treatment for patients to use daily at home, and over time shows accumulative um, effects, positive effects. Um, skincare can also be used in conjunction with clinical treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone at thirty one came to me and said, "I've got some skin changes," I'd say start off with some targeted skincare. It's obviously up to myself to figure out what they're comfortable with using and what they can commit to, um, and also what's right for their skin. Yeah. So I'd say let's start with that. Um, and if there were other things I wanted to address, we could incorporate something like um, a, a little bit of skin tightening using non-invasive modalities, which we'll go into in a little while. In yeah. A, and then there's also things like outside of the face, um, like, you know, if somebody had some loose skin around their abdomen or whatever, things like weightlifting, kind of the inverse of what we're talking about with right. severe weight loss, where like if people, you know, instead increase their muscle load yes um then that can obviously um well not stretch out their skin but fill out their skin absolutely uh, which can help with things obviously doesn't help with your face but other parts of your body yeah well um there are ways to stimulate muscles with uh like there are different modalities in industry that can be used to stimulate muscles and to help them contract and to become um rounder and fuller and give a fuller effect in different parts of the body Mm -hmm. um if we're talking about non-invasive techniques, as you said, exercise, something that builds um, muscle mass. Um, there are lots of patients that have key areas um, 
in size, they, they have surgery on some areas of their body and other areas they don't want surgery. So they do, they go to the gym, they stay fit, their muscles become bigger and then it fills out that area and makes it look less saggy. So absolutely, there are ways that are non-clinical to treat. Yeah, and we, like we obviously, you know, with people there, um, even if they want to have a tummy tuck, you know, the first step is obviously Pilates and rehab and like increasing their strength there. So, you know, um, if even if we have someone who is young enough to be in the spectrum of one, like, they could have had three kids by now. They might have loose skin in their abdomens. Um, this won't necessarily like cure that by any means, but right. um, you know things like Pilates. Not obviously not smoking, as we know. What about you know those face creams that I think uh, I wouldn't. Even, I don't want to say they're increasing with popularity, but which ones? Face creams that just claim to um, to improve, like they promise that they'll improve skin laxity, like any kind of topical cream that acts like, you know, it's going to bounce back, rejuvenate and like yada, yada, yada. With every treatment, especially that claims to treat skin sagging or laxity, first of all, it's important to, it's it's important to um, notice and to be aware of who they're targeting, what Mm -hmm. age group. Um, Like if I'm looking at it from the go-go scale, if they're saying if you're a 28-year-old and you use this cream, your skin won't sag in the future, I mean, that's a bold claim, first of all. Where's Mm. your research? Um, But also there's no real topical treatment that can improve, aside from tretinoin, which I'll get to in a second, which is Mm -hmm. like a potent form of vitamin A that can only be prescribed by a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, Aside from medicated creams of that, quality there's really nothing that can improve collagen and elastin topically there's things that can certainly improve your skin quality the the skin texture the appearance of um, pigmentation so anything that exists on the surface can be treated with something that's applied on the surface but collagen and elastin are quite deep Um, so it's impossible for a topical cream to get that deep yeah and why are the models always they always use 20 year old models it's like yeah, I, can't, right. I don't believe you right L. i saw this meme that was that was a picture of it was one of my um dermal clinician uh, like colleagues from um, a while ago posted something a picture of kim kardashian with um a cream in her hand saying like use this this is why mm. my skin's so great and it was a picture of an iceberg and she was at the tip of the iceberg <laughs> and then underneath <laughs> it was like microneedling laser yeah. um anti-wrinkle filler resurfacing <laughs> money yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's a, that's what you're looking at every time you yeah. see an ad for a, like a magical cream or what do we call it a snake oil sales people yeah, yeah. um yeah just think about everything else that's also being done adjunctively with that cream yeah i think that's a very good point all right so moderate sagging um again so these are the other things are more like external factors yep. um these are more like in clinic stuff so what would be an example like if someone was coming to you and they wanted to know like if they had moderate sagging and how could you help? Um, So when we're talking about moderate sagging, I'd say anyone from 35 to 55. Um, So someone who has lines that can be treated or um, laxity that can be treated um, would have to do with collagen and elastin stimulation, but also – fibroblast stimulation fibroblasts are basically the cells that make collagen and elastin Mm -hmm. um so if we're looking for long-term effects we want to use treatments that are going to stimulate fibroblasts um so that they can keep making collagen and elastin over time um in clinic we can use um multiple modalities and in fact the research shows that using um a multimodal approach so 
multiple modalities in one treatment and over time is an optimum approach when treating Mm -hmm. skin laxity. So in clinic, we can use non-invasive techniques like ultrasound, so mm-hmm. microfocus ultrasound specifically. I actually talked about this at the NSS last week, which was really fun. Yeah. Um, but there are a few Aussie doctors who have done um, case studies on the use of microfocused ultrasound with visualisation. So they use a screen mm-hmm. to target specific parts of the skin um, and then um, induce a tightening effect in, in certain areas. Okay. Now, what the ultrasound does is ultrasound targets the SMAS which lives beneath the dermis collagen and elastin and when you target that layer it causes um, with the ultrasound it can induce a thickening of that layer Mm -hmm. um, and it can also um, increase the the density the size of collagen in that layer as well as in the dermis and that is what gives a tightening effect gotcha right so So it's like plumping from deep within and pushing everything with it exactly and ultrasound is currently the gold standard so the okay the best possible treatment for um non-invasive skin tightening amazing um there's radio frequency as well which a lot of patients ask me about rf Mm -hmm. yeah um there's needling or non-needling RF. Mm-hmm. One simply has needles on the tip, the other doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sends energy into the dermis, so a little bit more shallow than ultrasound. Yeah. Um, and it it causes the contraction of collagen and elastin in that layer mm-hmm. um, and gives an immediate tightening effect, which is why patients love it because they oh, leave right. looking tighter. Oh, Literally, you'll see a, an immediate change. Yeah. Of course, that's not long-lasting, but what the RF also does is it stimulates fibroblasts, which we just spoke about. Yeah. So, um, therefore, allowing for the long-term tightening effects of the RF. Yeah, is RF, so is that like two to three years kind of last time? Oh, time? so you'd, you'd have a few treatments done. Yeah. Um, and, look, I don't know if anything aside from a scalpel, can (laughs) initiate two to three years' worth of results. Like, you'd be something that would need to be maintained Mm -hmm. with other treatments and as well as topical skincare. Um, But I'd say you could have a series of treatments and sometimes in clinic, and I heard a a surgeon speaking about this um, at the conference, they'll initiate a two to – a two to two and a half year course of treatments and then we'll say now go away for like three to four years you won't need to see me but then come back after that time and we'll do another course right 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 so anything that's topical that doesn't involve um you know a sharp knife yeah um yeah it does require maintenance and ongoing treatment yeah gotcha but they do yield really good results yeah yeah yeah. Mm. fascinating were there any other ones for kind of moderate sagging? Yeah, absolutely. Lasers can be used to provide really um, effective results, mm-hmm. in especially uh, with the lasers that we use, which are fractional. Um, so fractional or non-fractional, basically think of non-fractional as a thick beam of light, so like a rectangle of light, and then fractionated is that same rectangle, but instead of one um, solid beam of light, it's you know, hundreds of tiny beams of light. So it preserves the top layers of the skin and it allows for um, less downtime Mm -hmm. and less chance of adverse effects. Um, So um, fractional laser uh, is used commonly um, for patients who haven't had laser before, for patients with moderate um, skin sagging or laxity Mm -hmm. because it's fairly non-invasive and and the results are pretty predictable. Like Mm -hmm. it causes... It causes, say, um, one-third of the effects of an ablative laser, for example, um, in that it's less extreme. 
Um, An ablative form of laser is taking layers off the surface of the skin. So think of like a, um, a carbon dioxide laser, which a lot of patients ask me about. They see the videos. I'm sure you've seen the videos on Instagram, no? So it has like a blanching effect on the surface of the skin mm. and it leaves tiny little dots and it's like a cross-hatching effect. Oh, oh. Have you seen these videos? I haven't seen it, but my friend um, who had to have laser on her scar yes. and then she couldn't like go out for like three days later because she'd have this like massive cross-hatching across her face. Yeah, and yeah. it was like really white. Yes. Okay, got you. So that's I've seen it in the real world. <laughs> yeah, fantastic, even better. Yeah. So that's um that's ablative fractional laser. Okay. And that typically um yields more dramatic rejuvenative effects. Mm-hmm. Um there's a, there's a higher risk of um adverse events. There's also uh, a high commitment to downtime, as yeah. you said, you're going to have to stay out of the sun. But that's recommended with any laser. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, lasers are a fantastic way to um to tighten the skin. Mm-hmm. And as mentioned previously, they are most successful in um like a multimodal approach. So lasers, along with a peel, I've used that with a patient before. Yeah. Will resurface their skin lightly with a peel, and then mm-hmm. we'll go over key areas with lasers to that's cause a more dramatic effect. Yeah. Okay. And result. Cool. Um, um, and then sagging, severe sagging. Um, what would your kind of example be of severe sagging in which like non-surgical, um, yeah. non-invasive procedures could work? Yes. And what kind of things would you use? Um, in this case, I'd, and even in the moderate, we might introduce some injectables. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some fantastic case studies um, at the NSS on the weekend of, um, like cosmetic physicians, at, which we, of course, we have a resident cosmetic physician, <laughs> Lisa, mm-hmm. in clinic, that can successfully um, reverse the, you know, the extreme signs of sagging with some filler in the right areas. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it was very, or and as it should be, very specifically placed so that it was almost impossible to tell that these people had had fillers. So they're not necessarily going for a glamorous, um, you know, Kim K look. It's more just to fill the areas that need it Mm -hmm. um, to give the appearance of um, like a higher facial volume and to – there's nothing that we can do that can lift the skin. We can tight, definitely tighten it, but there's nothing we can do aside from surgery that will lift it. With the advanced sagging, the – Literature shows that um, the combination of injectables and ultrasound works really well because we're treating at a deeper layer to cause and to facilitate the tightening. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we're also filling in the areas that need it on the surface to give a, a full rejuvenated effect. And it, it's fantastic. The results are great. Mm-hmm. Um, in older women and men, but we saw lots of women in the case studies. Um, there's not a lot that we can do to f- to fully reverse. I mean, what's happened has happened. There's no way of preventing um, – there's ways of preventing further damage, but at that point the best thing to do is um, to fill the areas that avoided. Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, you're going to get older and yeah, that's okay. That's right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, The key and the key was, and it was fantastic, that these women still looked their age. Yeah. They just looked a little less tired. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of them looked refreshed. They mm-hmm. looked a little happier, um, and I think that's the whole point. I mean, that's what I keep in mind when treating patients, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually what patients come for. Yeah, you're not looking to stop time. Just have it chill out for a bit. Um, cool. What about like can that lasers be used for uh, severe sagging as well? Yeah, patients generally 
I personally haven't treated a lot of um, patients with severe skin laxity um, with lasers. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time I can most certainly help um, improve the quality of their skin with lasers, so make um, fine lines and wrinkles appear less, um, even out their pigmentation, um, and then give the give the illusion of, well, facilitate um, mm -hmm. a more even skin tone and therefore like a better overall appearance. But as far as um, skin sagging goes, it, it's difficult to treat at that point, and that's where – and they're usually candidates for – facelifts yeah right. um so that's when we might have to refer or when we might say you know try a bit of um a, a few non-invasive treatments try some injectables and see if that works for you but if you want a more dramatic effect then we might have to take a more dramatic approach yeah right okay so who like, on that point obviously you make a really good point that you know some people are going to have to go to surgery or not yes. but um what, whatever the case may be it can't be helped with non-invasive procedures. Mm -hmm. Who is actually a good candidate for skin tightening? I'd say the best results are shown in moderate, mild to moderate cases of skin mm -hmm. laxity. Um, so if we're grading it one to four, a one or a two is ideal. Yeah. Because um, lots of these modalities, these non-invasive modalities, are most effective on one or two, um, but also have shown not very effective on three or four. Yeah. Um, and look, a lot of the patients that I see are a one or two. I hardly ever get like a um, a person that's 60, 70, 75 coming in and mm -hmm. saying, can you please help me lift this part of my skin? Yeah. Um, and being um, tw between 28 and, and 45 is is fantastic because mm -hmm. it means that I can get the most and you can get the most out of your treatments mm -hmm. um, and that we can prevent further damage happening moving forward. Um, it's also really easy to help incorporate home care with these patients because they already have a pretty good routine at home. Um, you know, you think of your friends or if I could think of my friends, most of us have you know, a regime whether it's, um, you know, Korean 12-step skincare or one or two main products. And also with patients that come and see me, it's really important to um, conduct a thorough consult. So I have to ask them and I, I want to, um, to make sure that I'm offering the right treatment and that we're going to get the best results. Is their lifestyle factors, hormonal factors? Um, so what are they doing at home or what can they do to help their outcomes? Things like are they smoking? Are they drinking excessively? Are they excessively? stressed what's yeah, their right. sleep like yeah what kind of water are they getting in um, per day all of these things play such um, a big role when it comes to the skin um, and how it reacts to treatment but also just how it evolves yeah um, so obviously we want to see a, a decrease in smoking um, you know a, a balanced amount of alcohol a balanced diet yeah um, and look luckily most of the patients I see are of that lifestyle anyway mm -hmm. Um. With skincare as well, um, that being a lifestyle factor, what we use on our face at home, a lot of the time I can um, and do successfully recommend skincare that's right for the patient. Everyone's different and also everyone has a different commitment to, to skincare. I like something that's, you know, six or seven steps. Someone else, patients say to me, I just need a cleanser, a moisturiser and an SPF. Please don't get me on anything more than that because I, I won't Very do it. Me. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, and I work with their expectations and I yeah. work with their, um, their level of commitment. Because yeah. otherwise they're not going to be happy and they're not going to um, 
they're not going to stick to it anyway. Yeah. Um, so with skincare, if I, if I can just quickly segue into what works best, um, we see the famous antioxidants, you know, vitamin C, um, ferulic acid, um, vitamin E all work really well. Um, and I do often use products and, and even at RE we have some really good products that um, – that contain AHA, so alpha hydroxyl acids. Um, our cleanser is an AHA cleanser, but also I use peels in the clinic that um, have AHA, so lactic acid, glycolic acid, um, that patients are familiar with and comfortable with. You know, 10 years ago, they were uncomfy words. They're acids. It sounds yeah, dangerous. It sounds true. scary. Yeah. But now people come to me and say, hey, do you have something with hyaluronic in it? Hey, do mm-hmm. you have something with lactic in it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic because there's more of an awareness and there's a, a higher level of comfort, which means it's easier for me to help you um, if we both have a, like a similar understanding of, of what I'm prescribing, what I'm recommending that you put on your skin. Yeah. Do you have – what's your – best advice for people who are struggling with sagging skin? My advice, and as with anything, is take a balanced approach. Um, speak to someone who um, who knows what they're talking about. Um, but also, you know, it's okay to do a little bit of your own research. A, a balanced approach is good. So, you know, incorporating some key ingredients into your daily routine, wearing a really good SPF, having a few treatments. You don't have to come and see me every week or every month. If you're coming in every um, quarter – I say with the change of the seasons, go and see someone who can just give your skin a little refresh um, and get in there a little early. You know, do things that will help prevent the um, condition of your skin from worsening over time. Um, and I say there's, there's a quote that I've seen that I use all the time. The best treatment for your skin in your 50s is sunscreen in your 20s. Yeah, right. And Perfect. I completely agree with that. Um, so preventative measures are best get in there early and you know if it is a little bit too late come and see someone who has um skills that are you know moderate to advanced that can maybe help with something a little bit more invasive if you liked this episode of keeping it real please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and while you're there why don't you have a flick through our past episodes We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery. Surgery.